Welcome to the Jimbo Podcast, where you can find all your favorite Jimbo Show content in one place. Interviews, prank calls, bits, and a whole lot more. And now, here's your host, Jimbo. All right, it's another Jimbo Podcast, and I want to share with you guys a special series I did with my brother. We're in a band called The Surrealers. We've been there uh, for a while now. Uh, back in the 90s, mid-90s, we released an album called No More Milk, which you can find on all streaming services. Um, and you spell the name S-U-R-R-E-A-L-T-O-R-S, just in case you're looking at the streaming sites and want to check us out. But we did, uh, my brother George and I, we did a, a series of shows where we kind of took the music and took the influences of our childhood since we grew up together. And we kind of uh, broke down different things. And uh, it was quite interesting we we actually play, we were able to play a song from one of our albums to show you the influence that particular uh pop culture moment or album or tv show had so here it is the jimbo podcast presents the series that we're running the next few weeks the surrealers on welcome to the surrealers on on this episode george and jim talk about the paul mccartney and wings album band on the run And it is the Surrealers on. Of course, we're talking about Band on the Run, one of the albums that did it all for us. It started our our whole interest in writing music, right, George? Yep. It was, uh, I believe, my birthday in sixth grade. I think I said this on a previous podcast, but I got Band on the Run, Ram, Silk Degrees, Wings at the Speed of Sound, and um, one other one, which I can't remember. But yeah, this this was one of the the great ones because I know that it was a great one because I played it so much that I actually had to tape the uh, the vinyl album because it had had worn it out so much. Wow! So let's uh, introduce ourselves really quick. I'm Jim uh, Kavachik and George Kavachik is on the line. We're from the Surrealers. We're a band. We're available on all streaming sites. You can listen to our music. And this podcast mainly is to talk about stuff that influenced influenced us. Not even not even just music. We talked about movies in the past. We talked about Rocky, and we're going to get into TV and stuff like that too. Uh, but this edition, we're going to examine the album "Band on the Run," which starts off with the three part song, pretty much "Band on the Run." And they said there wasn't a hit, another hit like this until Travis Scott did it later with uh, Sicko Mode had three different parts to it. But this song kind of has three different parts, uh, which is pretty amazing for for a song. I know the Beatles broke some boundaries with Hey Jude being long and stuff, but this song was completely different. Yeah, and it is kind of weird, though, that it um, back in the day, back in 73, 74, they weren't releasing singles this long. Um which I think it clocks in at over around five minutes or so over five minutes. So it was unusual that they released a song that, that as a single, you know, this long, because I know the other one, when they, they wanted to go with, um, Eagles wanted to go with hotel California and they said, we need to cut it down. They said, no, you're going to release the whole thing. Uh, so probably it was between band on the run and hotel California. You know, those were the longest singles at the time. Yeah, of course, you know, of course they let Hey Jude roll, but that was the Beatles. They had some, uh, <laughs> you know, they had a little bit of, uh, you know, they could they could do that. They were the Beatles. Uh, but uh, Band the Run, yeah, like you said, five minutes it rolls in. There's three different parts. There's the whole part about being in jail and then the breakout and then the band on the run. Uh, but this song uh, is pretty amazing, too, because it kicks off the album 
and it just kind of takes off from there because it goes straight into Jet. And usually on some McCartney albums before, there'd be something bluesier or something slower, but Jet is pretty much as, uh, has a lot, lot of energy, almost as much as Band on the Run. Yeah, it's funny too, as I remember recall him talking about how they recorded that song almost for AM radio, because even if you listen to it now, I, I don't know if many of you even remember what AM radio was, but they used to actually play music on AM radio. And that's really the only way we had it um, in the early seventies. And um, jet was recorded with, with AM radio in mind. And it's perfect for that. And it's such a rocking song. And um, well, yeah, you know, just the, just the way it's mixed too, you know, and then I listened to, I think they have one of those collector's editions you usually get, and they had kind of a making of the band on the run. And this is another one of those songs where they actually, you know, because McCartney was coming off the Beatles and then didn't know if Wings was a, a tested commodity after uh, Wildlife came out and there wasn't much of a hit. You know, there was Mary had a little lamb, basically. <laughs> so, uh, right. uh, and then McCartney had his own hit with, uh, you know, Ram, but that wasn't Wings. So this was kind of like the big Wings uh, debut. So I know they had to uh, edit some of the singles for Radio Play, do some edits of Jet and a couple other songs to uh, to help them get Radio Play, which is weird when you have somebody that, you know, popular, Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Yeah, and it's funny because you talk about Wings, but is they went Wings at the time was just Linda Paul and Denny Lane because uh, that drummer Denny Sewell, I think is how you pronounce his name, a guitarist uh, Henry McCulloch, they they said you know because they went to go record in Nigeria and they said we're not going, so they quit the band. So basically, you know, it was McCartney uh, playing drums and percussion and most of the lead guitar stuff himself. Well, that was the um, thing, I guess, too. I mean, I've heard some other bands do this, but McCartney was like saying, uh, is there, where does, where does Capital, <laughs> where do they have recording studios around the world? And they said, we have one in Nigeria. And they said, well, let's go there and, and do it. And apparently the original version of Band on the Run has been lost forever because I think they got robbed. And the original, yeah, robbed at knife point. Yep. The original case is like in the jungle somewhere. Obviously, it's probably not playable. But I think the original version, so they had to kind of redo the whole thing again, which makes you wonder what changes, or did he recreate it note by note, which is tough to do after you lose something. But uh, a whole yeah, because I think I think they had unfinished song lyrics and like demo tapes that were stolen. Crazy. Um, and you know, it's funny because McCartney once you know I don't know what he was thinking the studio was going to be, but he once they, once they got to Nigeria, um, you know, they said that the studio was definitely not up to par. And uh, they had to end up, you know, doing the overdubs and the mixing and stuff um, in London when they got back home. But I mean, a great final project. I mean, you, I mean, great finished product of it. But you have after after Jet, you have Bluebird. And as as a kid listening to Bluebird, I was like, because you know, he, it comes after just just years after he did, you know, a few years after he did Blackbird. So you're like, <laughs> what's the deal with the birds? But uh, Bluebird is completely different from Blackbird, even though it's got that acoustic thing. It's got that whole kind of uh, a lot of harmonies, a lot of Linda in there. Yeah, it's very smooth. Very, very smooth. It's such a great, greatly composed song and the, and the, and the vocals and everything. That's, that really is one of the standouts on that album. And then it goes into kind of a weirder territory where it kind of goes into like 
McCartney experimenting on a good point because I think sometimes when he experiments, it goes the wrong way. But you have Mrs. Vanderbilt, which is kind of a mix of um, kind of like this swing and rock thing with with some different breaks and different bridges and stuff going on, which is interesting. And then you have Let Me Roll It, <laughs> which has one awesome. of the which has one of the best licks. And then of course uh, that whole blues timing of it, just with you know different instruments coming in at different times. People have accused him of uh, trying to mimic John Lennon on Let Me Roll It because he's got all that kind of slap back on the vocal and with the guitar lick. Um, but, you know, it's not a bad guy to uh, try and imitate. But, um, you know, McCartney was his own guy. I, I seriously doubt he was looking to Lennon at that time for well, the, inspiration. Uh, and that's when Lennon, that was, is, Lennon was doing all that. Let Me Phil Roll Spectre. It Live? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let Me Roll It Live is... is <laughs> freaking awesome on these different versions that he's put out recently that's always one of the standouts on his live albums yeah so i mean then you have the like you said the whole john lennon going with phil specter with all that that stuff on his voice that real kind of you know echo so mccartney uses it but he also has a higher voice kind of in this song too so that's a rocker Mamunia, <laughs> which is kind of like you wonder where the actual uh word comes from it's an acoustic thing you know, <laughs> I know he's, I, I don't ask me, no, no, <laughs> earthly, I never, never heard it before, never heard it since. So but, it's but very this, unique. This is the last song for me to kind of warm up to. It's like, you know, it was as a kid, it was skipping over this one. And then later in life, you're kind of like, listen, to the whole album, you're like, Hey, this is pretty good. You know, with the acoustic little thing he's got going on it. Right, right, right. It's, um, and then you go into like no words and then, you know, the rocker Helen Wheels, which is uh which is really a great tune. I I always like the drum part on that. Um Yeah, and it's it just, it's only it sticks on one chord, but it's kinda weird in the standard version of Band on the Run, it was not included. I mean and, uh, Helen Wheels was a was a was right. a was a back uh, side of a single. I don't know which single it was, but I know they started putting it on later versions collector's editions but if you look at the standard version you just go to no words picasso's last words and then 1985 and it was it makes it really weird it was it was released as a single so <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know why they wouldn't have put it on the u.s release but they didn't and it's funny because in 1993 they had some kind of collection reissue and it's you know, on the regular reissue or the regular album, it's it's the third song on the second side. But on this reissue, for some reason, somebody must have got it all mixed up because it comes in after 1985, which makes absolutely no sense. Because 1985, the last song, when it ends, kind of plays a little the, the chorus from Band on the Run, and you just, you're out. So when they go to Hell and Wheels, it sounds really weird. I heard that version the other day, and I was like, "What is going on?" Um, but somebody must have just got their wires crossed, or not even just, not even known the album, and just kind of said, hey, "Yeah, like, exactly." Didn't realize exactly. it was something that had to run in order. It was very important because you have you have no words, and then it goes to Picasso's last words. I know that was song was kind of created on a dare between I think it was McCartney and Dustin Hoffman. He was like, right. "Can you write a song about Picasso?" And he did. And then you have in that song you have a call back to Jet and some of the other songs using a drum machine. And I know that Sly Stone used the drum machine on Family Affair, and it was kind of just becoming, you know, kind of people started experimenting with it. But I think this was kind of McCartney's first time before he got into the serious stuff 
on McCartney too <laughs> with electronics. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that some other time. That'd be interesting. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Picasso's last words, it does, it does harken back to uh, Jet, and I do enjoy that part. That's one part I didn't enjoy, too, when I was younger, and I was like, I thought it was kind of weird to just kind of have the throwback. But, and then, of course, you go to the, the end, 1985, which is definitely uh, a great Classic. song. Starts with the, pian- the great piano riff, and it just kind of builds, and it crescendos into Band on the Run. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the ending for 1985 is just perfect. And that's why, that's why I was saying before, the way that ends, and then you go into Helen Wheels, yeah, makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, you know, it, it is a tremendous album. It's a tremendous album, and, and like you said before, when you go from Ram, which we talked about before, which is a great album, and then you go to Wildlife, which was a terrible album, <laughs> um, and then I and I don't know that I think Red Rose Speedway was before. Yeah, there's a lot of mixture here. When you mentioned the the, the adding of Helen Wheels as a single, I know Junior's Farm had popped up uh, around either this time or after right. this time, where it it became a single and it ended up being on you know just a single and ended up being on his greatest hits, which is kind of a weird weird thing too. Yeah, McCartney during that time was big on just putting out singles. Obviously, he put out Live and Let Die. Uh, around this time, like 73 to 74, he put out Live and Let Die. He put out this album. I want to say he put out Red Rose, Red Rose Speedway 2 with My Love. And then he put out Junior's Farm, which, if I'm not mistaken, came out in 74. So he had some, um, and I don't know why he wouldn't have just put Junior's Farm on this album. But, you know, he's got his reasons for everything. But Yeah, I, my, uh, well, I think, I think I know why after seeing the kind of lineup and hearing the album in its order. I think it's uh, you know it's it's as it goes it's it's a uh, it's a uh, one of those albums that he, I think he was trying to recreate and you know under heavy scrutiny you're trying to recreate the Beatles or be better than the Beatles it can perform you know you can do some good work and I think that he got that here this is probably the closest thing to the Beatles he had done since he left the, the group. You and I have talked about this before, but can you imagine that period from seventy to seventy four ish? The songs that the the Beatles probably would have put out maybe two or three albums by then, and yeah. all the songs with those three writers combined, uh, they still would have been on a roll. Yeah, I mean they would have been on a major roll. The only problem I see with that, if if they would have done like all the Lennon and McCartney songs, which would have been good, is they would have probably kept the same thing up for Harrison and kind of you know said, hey, you just do two or three songs uh, per album, so we never would have got like that whole. All things must pass, or we might have got that a lot later, you know. And uh, so that's the only problem I could see with that. But that, but you do have a point that w- those would have been some amazing, amazing records. Uh, yeah, I mean, they would have gone from what 60, 63, 64 to like seventy five, and just not never had a hit. <laughs> you know, it would have yeah. been amazing. It would have been amazing. But you know, we got this album, and it's great. I wore the, I wore it out. I got the, I had the original vinyl with the um the black label with the three pictures on it um like the passport pictures uh i still have it and um and there was a poster too that came with the album right the inside there was yeah that's back in i was gonna say there's the classic picture of mccartney picking his nose on that thing (laughs) but wasn't Uh, there like there's like a poster like i remember had like all the the nigeria stuff like yeah uh, labels exactly yeah and then also too i mean something i was attracted to before i even heard the music was the album cover 
I mean, you have uh, mm-hmm. famous people on the album cover. Some p- famous people from Britain who I didn't know, but you have like famous actors like James Coburn and Christopher Lee on there, uh, right. also too. So, which is a uh, you know one of the classic album covers uh, of all time, the Band of the Run yeah. album cover. But yeah, uh, he, de- he definitely outdid himself with this one. So uh, here's the question: What do we play from the Surrealers to celebrate Band on the Run today? Um, I would probably go with the first track off of our uh, first album, uh, No More Milk. It's called Everyone is Delicate. And the reason I would say that is because, um, much like Band on the Run, we come in with um, Delkin uh, kind of at the very end in a kind of a hidden track type way like McCartney did with Band on the Run after 1985. Yeah, I think ours kind of happened as an accident. I think... uh we finished that last song and I think it, the little bit of Delkin was on the track and we heard it with like, Oh wow, we could just do it just like band of the run. So, right. so it, it was an accident, but the idea, you know, hit both of us at the same time, like, Oh, this would be great. So, um, okay, here it is from no more milk. Here's everyone is Delkin.
With the Surrealers on, Jim and George here, and that's Everyone is Delkin from our album No More Milk, which you can stream the entire thing on all streaming sites. Any last words for Band on the Run, George? No, I would say, um, I, I do say McCartney, uh, not McCartney, but Ram is my favorite McCartney album, but this uh, would rank up there as a very close second. Last question, what is the best, because I know you get all the collector's items and stuff, what is the best collection of Band on the Run that you have? Because I, I just have the basic standard stuff, and then also now I'm just listening off Spotify. I mean, I got the one from '93, which was good. Um, and I list, like I said, I listened to this one, um, um, which I must not have listened very closely because the '93 Collector's Edition. I never even realized that Helen Wheels was after 1985, but that's that's the one I have. You know what they could they should probably do is they should probably do some kind of a. Uh, be great if they did some kind of box set on this thing with like a a making of type video yeah uh with, with mccartney talking about it because it does have that backstory of them being robbed and uh you know re- recording in nigeria and not being up to par and all that kind of stuff and, and yeah. the band members quitting i think it'd be a kind of uh be a nice little uh, uh documentary even if it was just a short one well even yeah even on netflix i'd watch that for sure uh, Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so there it is. The Surrealer is on Band of the Run. We return, of course, with another podcast soon. But, George, in the meantime, uh, go ahead and give them our, our final line. I'm Jim, and of course, George is there. And, George, say our, our, our big closing. All right, from the great Jack Buck, the announcer of the St. Louis Cardinals, we thank you for your time this time. Until next time, so long. <laughs>